a public service announcement with guitar. Know your rights. Oh yeah, what's up, people? What's up, all you weirdos out there? Uh, you know exactly what this is. This is the Deadbeat MMA and More podcast, episode number the twelfth. Coming at you here on, uh, what is it, Monday night, October uh, 28th, here in the, uh, in, the, in the snowy Pacific Northwest, 9 p.m. in the evening, and, uh, and I missed you guys, man. Um, for the past month or so, I've been coming at you bi-weekly as opposed to weekly like I like to do, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to find some more space in my busy, busy schedule uh, to make you guys a priority because actions speak louder than words and I can sit here and tell you guys how much I love you but it's only when I take that time carve out that time to chat with y'all um, every Sunday or Monday night that I can really demonstrate how important uh, all those deadbeats out there are to me so that's gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna find some time in my schedule the the name of this podcast is the deadbeat MMA and more podcast and I call myself deadbeat Dak but god damn it I am anything but a deadbeat uh, I just work all the motherfucking time I maybe even arguably a little too much uh, although my wife appreciates that I'm never at home I think anyway how you been I've been awesome I've been really 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 good a big big couple of weeks um uh and I'm going to break some of that down with you, but not all of it, but a little bit. But uh, before I do any of that, as I do every every show, I like to start by saying, my God, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much from the bottom of my cold, dead heart uh, to the top of yours. Thank you for making that good, wise, mindful decision to hang out with me here for the next hour or so. Uh, you could be doing absolutely anything else in the world, and uh, and, and it's 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 play the the sounds of my voice in the background as you're dicking around online or whatever the hell you're doing right now is what you've chosen to do and I super appreciate it man I uh I appreciate every single one of you for taking the time to you know to hang out with me um and chop up these MMA fights that that we love so much so uh thank you thank you thank you and if you uh feel so inclined what I would really love to ask you to do is uh is get in touch with me, man. I'm a. I ain't hard to find. Uh, the easiest way to do it is to log on to that Twitter contraption that uh, you know that, that we got and uh, and look me up at Deadbeat MMA. Uh, my handle is at Deadbeat MMA on Twitter. Deadbeat MMA podcast. So uh, so you know, follow me on Twitter. Reach out to me. Tell me what you're up to. Tell me who you are. Tell me what you like, and uh, and just start the communication, man. I just the 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 reason, man. If there was one reason I got this podcast up and running, it was to uh, it was to reach out and connect with other fight fans around the country and around the world, uh, and that's exactly what's happened. And I fucking love it, man. I freaking love it. So uh, if you're uh, if you're uh, if you've listened to every episode or if this is the first one, uh, do me a super favor and, and and holler at me and just let me know who you are, let me know where you are, let me know what you think about anything, man, about the fights, about the world that we live in about jesus christ about anything at all um tell me what you're about tell me who you are tell me all that stuff i'm just dying to meet you guys the world is a small place and it's getting smaller and uh and i just want to reach out and touch each and every one of you uh figuratively if not literally although you never know um 
Another way to get a hold of me is email, uh, old, the old school, uh, at deadbeat, or not at deadbeat, but deadbeatmma at gmail.com. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it. So uh, so with that out of the way, uh, oh, and one, one more appeal to you guys. If you are, uh, uh, you're listening to this podcast, uh, wherever the heck you're listening to it, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's... Uh, uh, Google Play, Spotify, chances are you're listening on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please do me a solid and rate and review. I ask you, I, I, I ask you this every week and, and you guys have risen to the call. You've accepted the challenge and I can't thank you enough. It really, really helps me, uh, helps the podcast out uh, when we get those nice reviews uh, because that somehow triggers the algorithm to put it in more, you know, put it in front of more eyeballs, or I don't know what the fuck it does. But uh, yeah, I, I just love getting those nice reviews. It's like a uh, it's like a shot of dopamine to my cerebral cortex. It just like lights up my brain like I just hit a fucking jackpot. Uh, like I just got it inside straight on the turn. And, uh, and I just love it. And I appreciate it. And it helps us out. So if you don't mind, oh my God, I would appreciate it. Rate and review. Find me on Twitter. Tell me what's up. Oh my God, I love you guys. And so with all that out of the way, uh, dudes, we had some fights, man. We had some good fights it's time to talk about. Um... We had one of those big weekends of Bellator uh, that Bellator loves to do where they'll take uh, two kind of mediocre fight cards, uh, or actually, no, they'll, they'll take one really good fight card and, uh, and split it into two mediocre fight cards, which I don't understand, man. I don't, I don't, I don't get the thinking behind it. Uh, although, of course, I love, I mean, I, I love, I'll watch as many fights as possible. I'm a gambler, so I... You give me more stuff to gamble on, I'm going to appreciate it. But, they, you know, they had, a, what did they have? Coming at us from Unksville, Connecticut, uh, Bellator 231 on Friday, and we had 232 uh, there on Saturday. Saturday night, of course, was headlined by, you know, for my money, the fight of the weekend, the, the finals of that million-dollar welterweight Grand Prix, uh, the rematch between our champion, our defending champion Rory McDonald and uh, and the challenger Douglas Lima, which is about as good an MMA fight as can be arranged across any promotions. I mean, sometimes we talk about how Bellator is, you know, kind of like AAA MMA. You know, it's like the Tacoma Rainiers to the UFC Seattle Mariners, but more and more they're starting to put together some fights that are just about as good as it gets and on paper at any rate uh saturday was an example of that uh with uh you know with the welterweight finals uh for that belt between the red king rory mcdonald and the phenom douglas lima uh a rematch of their fight about a year ago which was just a slobber knocker one of the one of the better fights of the year and then uh you know on the undercard on saturday we had you know paul semtex daily uh, who's just one of the one of the old guard kind of OG Bellator fighters? Uh, some fun prospects in uh, in Patrick Mix, and then of course uh, uh, Kevin Ferguson Jr. Old baby slice. All however, I was gonna say all thirty years old of him. He ain't thirty years old, but uh, but baby slice, you know. So they had some some prospects, and then on a, and then on Friday, they had one of those like classic Bellator fights: Frank Muir versus Big Country Roy Nelson. And here's the thing, dudes. Like on Saturday, uh, Douglas Lima, Rory McDonald on paper, one of the better fights that we can ha- that can be put on, and it's really really easy to get excited about it. 
But on Friday night, uh, Frank Mir versus Roy Nelson. And I love MMA. I'm as hardcore a fan as there is, and I'll watch just about anything. But good, my God, that's just a tough fight to get excited about. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. But uh, but underneath that on the main card, you know, we had Phil Davis, we had Ed Ruth, uh, we had some good stuff. Why in the damn hell they break these into two cards is completely beyond me. Maybe they've got some sort of content quota that they have to provide to uh, to DAZN or I have, I don't know, man, I don't know. But they uh, they could have had one rock solid, really really good uh, fight card, uh, but instead we got two two kind of so-so ones with a few really good fights. Uh, And that's just the Bellator stuff that went down, obviously, and everybody knows, bright and early Saturday morning from way over on the other side of the world in Singapore at the Singapore Indoor Stadium. Uh, They've got that stadium that's like attached to a mall or something. They just do things differently over there in the Far East. And I am, one of these days, I'm going to get over there and, and see this for myself. But they had a pretty solid, uh, we had a pretty solid ESPN Plus card taking place at the break of dawn, uh, headlined by uh, <laughs> by Demi and Maya and, uh, and good old Ben Askren. And, you know, I've got my thoughts about that fight. I enjoyed that fight. I, I was looking forward to that. Uh, I don't want to say I told you so, but I, I kind of predicted that just kind of I just just kind of like every detail, you know. I, I you know, for it was largely contested on the feet. Um, Askren was able to get a few takedowns toward the end of each of the first two rounds, and uh, and I don't think it's too much of a stretch to think that we entered we you know we finished the second round with uh, with Askren up, you know, 20, 2018. I mean, I think there's a pretty solid argument that Askren won each of those first two rounds with the takedowns that he managed to score. Although the striking, my God, Ben Askren, man, just some funny, funny, awkward looking striking. Although effective, man, it can be effective. Uh, you know, he's not going to be getting any TKOs on the feet, but his uh, his weirdo striking generally, big picture, is effective in getting him where he needs, which is into, is a... Is, uh, you know, working towards that clinch, or rather, I guess, I guess more accurately, man, working towards that like body lock, which he's just about as good as anybody there is, and using that to secure the takedown. Now, uh, one of the things we're starting to recognize, which I think astute observers suspected when Askren came over uh, to the UFC a little less than a year ago, uh, is that he's fairly one-dimensional. And uh, it, when the grappling doesn't work, or when he's when he takes it to the mat against someone who's able to neutralize his grappling, like we saw this weekend uh, with Damian Maya, dude, he's kind of out of ideas. Uh, he's definitely not gonna gonna win any striking battles. Um, so it's all about securing the takedown and and, and, and controlling and controlling the the fight on the mat. And Damian Maya is just not that guy, dude. You're just not going to be able to do that, as we as we learned. You know, he he got those takedowns and was able to secure uh, secure secure top position towards the end of the round. Of course, Maya swept him, I believe, in the first round and managed to. God, did he get a dominant position? I don't know, but you know, in that third round, when he, uh, you know Askren got his takedown again, and uh, and uh, and and Maya Maya just it was predator and prey man it was like it was like the 
it was like a, a predator stalking its prey and it was only a matter of time once uh once Maya did that, I think he God did he do like a butterfly sweeper? I can't I just can't remember, but uh, you know, he, he got that sweep and was just working working to advance position and, and before long he sank in that rear naked choke and it was good night to Ben Askren. And I saw as as I'm sure you did as well, uh, for those of you that are paying attention online, I saw a whole lot of chatter. Uh, it's, uh, you know, MMA Twitter particularly is never the place that you're going to go to for kind of like a nuanced and sophisticated take on whatever fight it was we just watched. But I saw a lot of people kind of, you know, okay, hey, Ben Askren sucks. Look at this. He, he should be 0-3, which is true. I agree with that. I think that uh, you run that Robbie Lawler fight back. He loses that 99 times out of 100. Just the one time out of 100 happened to be the one that we saw. Uh, and then we all know what happened with Jorge Masvidal. It uh, uh, didn't really tell us anything. Um, sure, it was embarrassing. Uh, and it made a star out of Masvidal. But it didn't give us a whole lot of information about either fighter. Uh, and then, you know, and then on Saturday he got he got pretty, you know... He lost the grappling battle to, to Damian Maya. So the, the playbook's been written about Ben Askren. Uh, and then so people online are saying like, oh, what a fool the UFC must feel like. Dana must feel like an idiot now for getting rid of Dami- uh, Damian Johnson, for getting rid of Demetrius Johnson and getting Ben Askren in return. Dam- uh, Demetrius Johnson's over there dominating their little, uh, the Grand Prix over there in one championship or 1FC, I can never remember what to call it, whereas Ben Askren has gotten thoroughly exposed. I mean, he went from two pretty high-profile fights on pay-per-view main cards to headlining a, a like a ESPN Plus fight card from Singapore going off at like 3 in the morning or something. So, yeah, Ben Askren's star has dimmed pretty significantly, but... I think, here's my guess, man, I think that the UFC has won this trade, Um, and here's why. A, Ben Askren has created a star in uh, in Jorge Masvidal. There's just no denying that there's more eyeballs on on these fights that Ben Askren was was involved in uh, than would have been had DJ just continued, particularly after he'd lost the belt, uh, had DJ, you know, just continued doing what he had been doing. and me, yeah. And meanwhile, so this dominant champion from another organization comes over and just kind of gets steamrolled, whereas uh, whereas our champion, our UFC, our ex champion, goes over and continues to dominate. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm thinking this is a win for the UFC just because of the eyeballs that Askren is is uh, is bringing to his fights. Um, he's not winning them, no. And what the hell he's gonna do now? Well, gee, I just don't know. Uh, what I would like to see Ben Askren do now is uh, is take that Robbie Lawler rematch. I know that they're still trying, I don't know, but I think they're still trying to get Robbie Lawler on 245 uh, there in December. What was he? He was like, supposed to fight, uh, was he supposed to fight Ponzinibbio? Yeah, I think he was. I'm 90% sure that Lawler was going to fight uh, uh, Ponzinibbio and it fell through. And last I heard, and I mean, by heard, I mean deduced from like checking shit out online, they were still hoping to get Robbie Lawler on that fight card. So he is, he might, he may have a dance partner, but what else is Ben Askren going to do right now? Um, 
the Lawler fight, uh, I mean, okay, let's put it this way. I think the wisest use of Ben Askren right now is uh, is in fights that are going to get a lot of attention. I think he has removed himself from the competitive, uh, you know, from the championship architecture of the Walter Waite division, which is, I mean, to me, not a surprise. I didn't really rate him too high to begin with. Uh, particularly after that Robbie Lawler fight, but uh, now after getting, uh, you know, after getting fairly worked by what has become a pretty high-level gatekeeper in Damian Maya. I mean, what's Damian Maya ranked number ten or something? I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the UFC rankings, which you just have to take with a shaker of salt. But they do tell you a little bit about uh, about the matchmaking. Uh, options that we've got. It seems like the like I was saying, the wisest use of Ben Askren right now is to create fights that people want to see, right? Um, and I'm looking here, and it looks like I mean maybe Anthony Pettis could be another option, uh, just coming off that shellacking that he took at the hands of uh, you know at the hands of Nate Diaz. But the one that most interests me is the Robbie Lawler rematch, man. Now that would be a uh, that would be of interest to me. Uh, and why would it be of interest to me? Because I think, well, first of all, I mean, it's pretty clear it was a poor stoppage, or let's just say a premature stoppage. Uh, and also, that's just something that we want to see run back. Now, I don't really see a whole lot of other options for Ben Askren. Uh, I think he was on Ariel Helwani's show this afternoon talking about how retirement might be an option uh, for him. And boy, I would I would kind of hate to see that for a few different reasons. Um, but just based on where he stands right now, you know, kind of matchmaking going forward is there's not a lot of options uh, unless they want to use him to, you know, to put over like a, a, a prospect, which... God, you'd hate to see Ben Askren go from high-profile, uh, you know, high-profile pickup to like getting over the young prospects, you know, feed him to Gilbert Burns or something in a in less than a year. But maybe that's the best use of him. I don't know. I'm sure that's not what he would be interested in. Uh, so I'm looking right now, and this isn't like the most creative matchmaking, but Askren against Anthony Pettis uh, would be nice. Or you know, like I was saying, my my top choice would be a Robbie Lawler rematch, and how realistic that is, man, I just don't know. But that's kind of what I'd want to see. Uh, yeah, Askren, love him or hate him, and I'm frankly, I'm just, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of 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 him as a fighter and him as a personality. Oh my God, I'm uh, goodness gracious, he's just hard to cheer for. But it would sure be a shame to like take that energy and that, you know, that high profile sort of like star quality that he brought to the, to the octagon and just kind of like give up on it. So, so we'll just have to see, man, we'll just have to see. But, uh, Damian Maya, my Lord, I, you know, he, when he gets the job done, he gets the job done. I remember when he beat Carlos Condit, um, in Vancouver a year or two ago, when he got that first round submission, Oh my God! And I was in attendance. I was up there in Vancouver watching that fight live. I'm in the Pacific Northwest here in Seattle, so any any time a fight card comes, you know, anywhere in like the upper upper left hand corner of North America, I'm gonna try to go. 
so I was there when Damian Maya fought Carlos Condit. I think it was two summers ago. And my point is, he's just so exciting. I know a lot of fans sometimes, I don't want to say complain, but just aren't aren't too excited about the grappling. And yeah, sometimes it can be a little dull, I I suppose. But when Damian Maya is at his best, it's just like watching the fucking nature show where there's like a boa constrictor stalking a fucking gazelle or whatever it is they eat. And uh, so it's it's just so much fun. I love watching Damian Maya and, and some of these other like high high level jujitsu dudes uh, do their work. Who the hell's Damian Maya gonna fight next? Coming off a really nice victory. He's definitely not in the title picture. I mean, I don't think that's going to be an option for him. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff um, happening in the welterweight division. Uh, you know, of course, we've got the the Masvidal Nate Diaz fight uh, coming up next weekend, uh, which may have championship implications for one of those fighters. Uh, what I'm most interested in is this rumored fight between Leon Edwards and Tyrone Woodley, which, they, what are they saying? They were saying, uh, I, I just read something that they offered, uh, they offered that fight as the co-main for the, for the January pay-per-view that they're talking about. And I would definitely be about that. But, uh, as it pertains to Damian Maya, what does this mean? Well, I suppose Damian Maya is going to want to kind of take a step back and, and see how some of these things play themselves out. We got that Vincente Luque, Wonderboy Thompson fight coming up this weekend too. Um, so depending on what happens with that, uh, Maya versus the winner of that fight could be a nice one. I'm also looking at Rafael Dos Anjos uh, sitting here resting comfortably at number five. Uh, Maya versus RDA. Have we seen that? No, I don't think we've seen that. We've not seen that. Um, boy, yeah, this is just occurring to me, but that would certainly be a, I don't know if it would be an interesting fight. I would certainly favor Dos Anjos in that, but boy, that would be fun to see too. My guess, here's my guess. My guess is that the best move with, uh, with Damian Maya is wait to see how some of these welterweight fights on, uh, play themselves out, particularly the... Uh, that main card fight coming up this uh, this weekend, and I'm not talking about the main event. I'm talking about Wonder Boy versus Gente uh, uh, Boa, Vincente Luque. Vincente Luque is Gente Boa, right? Uh, I think so. Let me double check. Doesn't matter. Um, no, he's not the Silent Assassin. Who the fuck is Gente Boa? I'm getting myself confused. I don't know. Um, anyway, so there it is. That's a. Uh, there were some fun UFC fights. I don't know if they were fun. I use the word fun a lot, even when they're not really fun. There were some interesting and meaningful UFC fights uh, going on over there in Singapore. Uh, Stevie Ray got that decision that contested that highly controversial decision over Michael Johnson in the co-main event. Uh, also in the main card, Benil Dariush got a really, really... Just when you want to count Dariush out, man, he comes back and, yeah, it was against Frank Camacho, who's, uh, you know, he's not a title contender or anything, but Dariush, man, count him out at your own peril because he, uh, he'll uh, he'll take some steps back and then come on and, and show that he's still got the goods. Maybe the most interesting... Um, fight other than the main event uh was that heavyweight fight uh between uh you know Francis Ngannou's uh 
teammate Cyril, how do I say this? Cyril Gagne, is that how I say it? Gagne, um, uh, who had a really sweet heel hook submission over uh, Dantel Mays, I think is how I pronounce his name, that fighter's name. But Gagne, man, he was dominating that fight comprehensively, dudes, comprehensively. He's a heavyweight that fights, geez, like a lightweight. I mean, he is a pure athlete. I mean, I don't think he's as big as Nganu, but he's definitely more athletic. And he is going to be a prospect, man. Uh, he is a prospect, and I mean, he's 2-0 in the UFC, and he hasn't fought anybody that we've heard of yet. So let's uh, let's slow our roll on getting excited about him. But as far as just like tools bringing to the table, uh, he's something to get excited about. And you know as well as I do, in that heavyweight division, it doesn't take a lot uh you know, to crack that top five. I mean, just ask Derek Lewis about this. He found himself fighting for the belt. Uh, so you get a few nice wins under your belt, and, and, and you've got a name. So uh, so Cyril Gagne, uh, another imposing French heavyweight uh, that, that, we, that I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing what's next from. Now, uh, last week, I think it was in some interview with, I don't know, like the fucking Boston Globe or something, Dana White kind of confirmed in that way that he does, which is just like mentioning in passing as fact. It wasn't an announcement that he made. He just kind of mentioned that uh, in 2020, the UFC is going to be going to Paris. Or he said to France. I guess I just assume it's going to be Paris, but who knows. And he didn't make clear whether it was going to be a pay-per-view or just kind of a fight night fight card. My guess is it's just going to be a f one of these international fight cards for them to test the waters there. But... uh Gagne is going to look pretty nice on that fight card, man. Uh, let's say hypothetically they decide that that's going to be a that that's going to be a pay per view, which I don't think is what's going to end up happening. But if if that were the case, I mean, it would kind of have to be uh, Francis Ngannou versus the winner of the of the DC Stipe uh, trilogy that they're talking about making. Uh, for the heavyweight title, so that would have to be like summer or fall. But if they're just gonna do a, uh, you know, if they're just gonna do a, a fight night fight card or what, you know one of these ESPN or ESPN fight cards, which is what I think is most likely to be the case, uh, you know, Ngannou would look really nice on the in the main event against probably someone like Alexander Volkov should he get past Greg Hardy, which we all count on him to do. And then Gagne would look super nice also on that main card. So we're getting, all this is to say, man, uh, Gagne's in a position to make some moves and the UFC is positioning themselves to make some options available to him. So, uh, so as always, man, I think I've said this after every fight card I've ever watched, especially UFC fight cards, I am an enthusiast dude and I am just as Pollyanna as can be. So I'm, I'm, I'm not the cynical guy and I'm always excited. Uh, about the future and today is no exception because we're positioned to see some some pretty cool stuff going forward and uh just to kind of circle back a little bit um to the bellator stuff yeah so frank Mir got a an uneventful uh decision over big country roy nelson on friday night i watched that fight and uh dudes i hate to say it but i've already forgotten most of it um Phil Davis kind of stole the show in the in the uh, you know there in the co-main event. He uh, God, I'd forgotten that he was capable of uh, of putting somebody out, man. But he uh, 
he just kind of controlled the fight and, and just used some pretty nice ground and pound to close the show there in round three. Ed Ruth, now here was the fight of the weekend, at least as far as Bellator is concerned. But, uh, you know, Ed Ruth versus Jason Jackson. Now, everybody, and by everybody, I mean everybody, was kind of counting on this as like an Ed Ruth showcase. You know, he he fell to Neiman, Neiman Gracie. I was going to say Neiman Marcus. Neiman Gracie in the you know, in that welterweight Grand Prix, and he was a lot of people's, including my own, sort of sleeper pick to win that damn thing. So he was he was in need of a comeback fight, and a lot of people were counting on Jason Jackson to be that guy, but people who've been paying attention, particularly people who've been paying attention to the LFA, knew who Jason Jackson was, and Dudes, I, I told you this last time, Jason Jackson ain't no joke. Uh, and, and he proved that by pretty damn near taking that victory. Ed Ruth got the split decision victory, but most objective observers uh, maintain that Jason Jackson should have won that. But there's only three people's opinions who really count, and those were the cage side judges. And two of those gave the 29-28 to Ed Ruth. So Ed Ruth back in the win column. Um, I always love it. Uh, when Ed Ruth and Phil Davis fight on the same fight card because, um, of course, everybody knows those are two uh, Penn State wrestling all-time greats. Uh, Deadbeat Dak, of course, being myself, being a humongous college wrestling fan. I may, I, may, I may be more passionate about college wrestling than I am about MMA or boxing, being a former college wrestler myself. So when I see the, when I see the old college greats get success, uh, particularly uh, kind of when they're paired off on the same fight card. It's just like super cool. Uh, and Bellator has done a good job of sort of, you know, creating a platform for some of these old wrestlers. Uh, but anyway, um, so there it is. Speaking of old wrestlers, uh, Jack Hager continued the uh, the tradition of these no contests uh, due to, you know, due to illegal blows. Uh just knead his guy in the fucking balls three or four times just as hard as possible and then kind of like acted incredulous when uh, when the fight was called off. Uh, I guess he'd been watching, uh, I guess maybe he's been training with Yair Rodriguez. That's where he learned that trick. Uh, of course, Yair is better at the eye pokes. But, um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, so there was the Friday night fight card. Uh, moving on to Saturday. Uh, yeah, Baby Slice knocked his guy out in 30 seconds just by just targeting the back of the head. I think he like, you know, I think he went to his opponent and asked him to turn around so he could get like a better shot at the back of his head. Uh, and, you know, of course that was ruled, uh, that was ruled a TKO victory, but was overturned almost immediately, which, uh, man, that's like twice in two weeks. We've seen a, you know, we've seen a victory get overturned uh, by the commission pretty immediately. And, Obviously, I've seen wins overturned before, but usually in hindsight and almost always for, you know, PED offenses. So, you know, with Greg Hardy with his, like, inhaler fuck up two weeks ago and now a Baby Slice targeting the back of the head, it's, uh, I guess in theory, it's getting, it's it's cool to see the commission step in and take some action but in practice, it's just it's it's pretty it's it's pretty complicated. It's tough to know how to feel, uh, other than I gotta feel bad for Kevin Ferguson Jr. because, yeah, at least one of those, maybe two, clearly illegal strikes, 
some that were not so clearly illegal. So it's just tough to say, man. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just tough to say. But, but you feel for 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 Kevin Ferguson Jr. You feel for Baby Slice, uh, getting a win, kind of a, a win, kind of erased. And I don't want to say through no fault of his own, but there was certainly a lot of gray area that that uh, that got turned to black pretty quickly. Now, of course, the the uh, the Greg Hardy fight is a different story, and since that was two weeks ago, I won't go into too much detail about my thoughts there. But everybody remembers this, where 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 Greg Hardy was found himself in a fight the likes of which he had not been in yet in the UFC, and then there between rounds two and round three just like sucks on his inhaler and he, I mean yeah they asked the dude strolling around cage side if it was cool but uh dude ignorance is no excuse I am not a fighter myself and even I know you're only allowed to drink water I mean you can't like what did Ray Longo said it best he said like coffee is not outlawed by USADA but you can't drink it between rounds so uh uh Ignorance of the rules is no excuse, and for the life of me, I can't understand why Dean Thomas, who is just as seasoned a vet as there is in the game, uh, didn't put the kibosh on that right away. But yeah, you can't be hitting that inhaler between rounds. Everybody fucking knows that, except for obviously Greg Hardy. So it's a uh, that's a pretty cut and dry thing. That one's I don't I don't I feel pretty good about. I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying like, come on, Greg, get your shit together. Uh, it's just one goddamn thing after another with that guy, and I absolutely don't need to go into my uh, my Greg Hardy thoughts and opinions. But goodness gracious, dude, it just doesn't end with that guy, and here's just another thing. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, Baby Slice, no contest. Uh, Nick Newell, uh, Nick, the Nick Newell inspirational industrial complex came crashing to an end uh, with him losing a pretty i mean this was a hell of a fight against manny murrow and and uh and and miro the enormous underdog both on the betting lines and also in like kind of the hearts and minds of the viewing public uh came out and just i guess someone had forgotten to tell him that he was supposed to be the uh kind of the jobber of this inspirational story we all want to feel so great about uh this congenital amputee nick newell going out there and having tremendous success uh, Manny Muro said, wait a minute, hold on, I got a fight career that I take pretty seriously here as well. And uh, and went out there and got the hard-fought victory. And absolutely nothing against... I mean, this doesn't take anything away from Nick Newell, man. In fact, in some ways... I mean, I'm sure Nick Newell doesn't feel this way, but in some ways, this like is probably the best thing that could have happened to Nick Newell... And here's why, man. He is a fighter to the bone. He is a pro fighter and a really, really damn good one who just so happens uh, to be a congenital amputee. He only has one hand. Everybody knows that. And so when he goes out there and has all this success, it's kind of like that ASU wrestler from several years ago, Anthony Robles, who won the national championship uh, on one leg. That's what people talk about. Oh my gosh, I'm so inspired. This guy, that Nick Newell, uh, look what he's doing with one hand, you know? Uh, and so he kind of becomes this like feel-good, inspirational story, which necessarily makes him one-dimensional. My, I mean, I've, I haven't paid a lot of attention to Nick Newell's... I mean, he's, a lot of these fighters, are, they're just not the most interesting guys to listen to in their interviews, so sometimes I don't do that. But like Nick Newell... 
there is a lot more to him than just overcoming this particular obstacle. And so when he got every with every victory he got, and then he was on the contender series, and then he got a nice victory in his Bellator debut. And so it's just like, oh my God, Mountain, get out of my way, inspirational story. So when he goes out there and loses, you know, it kind of takes away from that like inspiration porn that like just everybody just like feels so great about, but just kind of makes me want to vomit and just sort of makes him, it just kind of humanizes him, man. He's a fighter and he is a damn good fighter, but he's not the greatest fighter. He's not even a great fighter. He's just a very, very, very good professional fighter who's going to lose to some guys. Uh, And so when, you know, so maybe we can just start to take him seriously on the merits of his fight career as opposed to his like inspirational sort of, overcoming adversity story which people just like fucking eat that shit up I, it just makes me so sad I just i hate it god oh gross it makes me want to vomit i mean but anyway yeah so nick newell good on you for for going out there and putting on one of the better fights of the weekend and yeah unfortunately if you, you, you came up short but you showed a lot of heart and you showed that you're a fighter and i don't have to wrestle with this like feel-good bullshit uh, which just makes me want to vomit. But anyway, um, so that was a really great fight, and hats off to Manny Muro, uh, who picked up a signature win, you know. Um, bantamweight prospect uh, Patrick Mix went out there and got a sweet-looking fucking heel. Was it a heel hook? No, I think he got a knee bar right there in the first round. And there is a guy that uh, there's a guy to keep our eyes on in the future, man, because this is a fighter. Uh, so I'm kind of curious to see what what he's going to be able to do in that uh, in that bantamweight division over there in Bellator. Uh, the thing about Bellator, kind of like the heavyweight division in the UFC, it doesn't take a whole lot uh, to make a name for yourself. And once you've got a name for yourself, it doesn't take a lot to get in that title picture. So I suspect we're going to be hearing uh, more from Patrick Mix pretty immediately. Uh, and then, of course, the main event, Douglas Lima who had lost the first fight to Rory McDonald, went out there and reclaimed his, um, you know, reclaimed what is rightfully his, that welterweight uh, title, with a really, really convincing, if, uh, you know, if uninspiring, uh, uh, unanimous decision victory over Rory McDonald. And, uh, God, it was just, that it was just a weird fight, man. It was, I mean, I, I don't want to say, I mean, I, I'm never the guy who's going to call something a boring fight, but it was just like uneventful, uh, kind of. And it was just kind of sad to watch. And maybe this is just in my mind, but learning kind of what we have learned recently about some of the struggles that Rory McDonald's been having. I mean, and speaking about humanizing a guy, uh, after that, that fight with John Fitch, which uh, ended in a draw and... Rory just looks super flat, and then he came out in the post-fight interview, which is kind of, I guess, a strange uh, situation to like share these like in, this introspection. But it was like, yeah, man, my newfound religious beliefs are really having me questioning, you know, whether I've got it in me to, you know, to to be a pro fighter. I mean, I can't get to that dark place with all the like sunlight of the spirit shining on my fucking soul, uh, which I imagine are some pretty freaking tough those are big questions for a fighter to wrestle with i you know i'm not a religious man myself i i'm a deeply spiritual guy but it's just not a religious thing for me so i can't really relate to like kind of like a white light god experience however 
we've all heard a million times people like, you know, thanks God for helping me like nearly murder this motherfucker. And like Jesus was with me when I like concussed this poor guy. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So Rory being very, very human and being like, yeah, I've had this like transformative experience with my religious faith that has me questioning some of these things. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can understand that, man. I can I can empathize with, uh, I don't know if empathize is the right word, but I mean, I feel that, right? We've all got things that we struggle with. They're just different things. And for Rory, that's what it was. Uh, and it was pretty cool. You know when he fought Neiman Gracie in the in the semifinals, you know, you know, uh, uh, it looked like he had resolved that discrepancy, man. Because you know, for as tentative and as sort of like slow to pull the trigger as he was in the John Fitch fight, and he says, "Oh, I don't know if I can be a killer with this like, you know, with this like God experience in my life." That Neiman Gracie fight, it was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've decided that I can. God, God can help me like kind of kill these dudes," because uh, he just looked just as good is ever really against Gracie. But then, um, I mean, the big difference in the finals, he was facing like one of the best welterweights on planet Earth in Douglas Lima. So let's not put it all down to this God stuff. But anyway, Rory McDonald just looked like whatever it was, one of those intangibles that it takes for a really, really, really talented and excellent fighter to become a really, truly great champion, uh, which make no mistake, Rory McDonald had, although... Uh, up until his his run in Bellator, he was never actually a belt holder. That doesn't mean he didn't. He wasn't a champion. He had that fight. He had that thing. Uh, and now it looks like uh, maybe he just doesn't. Or maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it was just that he was fighting Douglas Lima. And Douglas Lima is a very, 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 very great fighter. Uh, like I said, as far for my money, Douglas Lima is one of the best fighters on planet Earth. Uh, and he is a three-time Bellator uh, uh, welterweight champion. So who who's going to get next? I don't even know, man. Like, uh, I'm not quite sure what the welterweight landscape post-Grand Prix looks like in, uh, in Bellator. All the title contenders uh, just kind of killed each other off in the tournament. So my guess is that Douglas Lima is going to have a, have a minute or two to... You know, to, to rest his weary bones and, you know, maybe that $1 million check signed by Curtis 50 Cent Jackson will uh, uh, kind of will help cushion his fall uh, for the time being. But uh, whatever's going to come next, it's uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting and it's going to be exciting. And God damn it, Douglas Lima is just about as impressive a fighter as, as we've got uh, for my money. He's a kind. Of, he's kind of like the crown jewel over there in Bellator, as far as like homegrown, uh, true Bellator stars. I mean, Bellator, of course, has got Cyborg and you know Ryan Bader and some of these other, some of these other bright stars. But uh, you know, whether Patricio Pitbull or uh, or Douglas Lima, as far as I'm concerned, and I guess to a lesser extent Michael Chandler, but as far as I'm concerned, are like the true Bellator greats. Uh, and of course, there's some new jacks coming in the form of uh, Michael Venom Page and AJ McKee, and uh, you know some of these names that we're going to be seeing here in this featherweight Grand Prix. But right now, it's Douglas Lima, and I'm I'm curious to see what's next. Although I think I'm probably shouldn't be holding my breath. It might be a minute or two until uh, uh, until we find out. So there was our MMA for the weekend, man. It was some good stuff. We had a uh, we had some. Uh, you know, of course, we had some really good boxing for the past uh, 
you know, the past couple of weeks, so we don't have a lot of time to get into uh, the World Boxing Super Series crowned a champion in just a hell of a fight. Um, 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 the, uh, this weekend, the, in the junior lightweight, uh, uh, you know, our, 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 our great Scottish champion, Josh Taylor, beat Regis Prograce in a hell of a great fight. So I, I suspect we're going to see Josh Taylor on some pound for pound lists, and then of course in the light heavyweight uh, the light heavyweight division, Archer Beaterbeev beat Alexander Gvordik, and I always mispronounce his last name Gvorzdik, something like that uh, in the light heavyweight uh, uh, title unifier. So uh, between Josh Taylor and Archer Beaterbeev, we've got a few more guys who are starting to etch their name on those uh, on those pound for pound lists. That's the you know, in, in boxing, kind of responds a little more to, uh, you know, to the star making uh, machinery, and we've got two pretty bright stars uh, uh, beginning to emerge. To say nothing about Shakur Stevenson, who just put on a goddamn clinic uh, this weekend as well. So a lot of good fighting happening uh, that we just didn't don't have a lot of time to 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 get into. Why don't we do this though, man? Why don't we? Uh, peer just a little bit into the future. Uh, what do we have going on? Well, we've got um, well, we've got some good uh, we've got some good MMA coming up on uh, on Thursday. We've got the uh, you know we've got the light heavyweight and the heavyweight uh, playoffs for the Pro Fighters League. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get our final two finalists uh, or our final four finalists, our final two fights uh, 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 figured out. And then that uh, that New Year's Eve card is going to be finalized. Um, you know, I'm I'm pulling for the mama's boy Kevin Tiller, although he's he's probably not going to be. Uh, he's probably not going. I wouldn't consider him the favorite. He's just kind of my personal favorite. But there's you know there's some. I just love the PFL, so I'm looking forward to that. And then of course on Friday, or I don't know about of course, but on Friday we've got a nice little Invicta fight card with a. If I remember correctly, the straw weight and the flyweight titles being defended. So uh, there's so there's some good fighting on Thursday and Friday. But of course, and obviously, like the big one, dudes. The big one is the MSG card, uh, UFC 244 coming up. And there's about a million and a half places online uh, where people are breaking these things down in tremendous detail. So maybe I will. Uh, resist my urge, and I, I'm probably not going to succeed in doing this, but I'm going to try not to spend a whole lot of time. But let's just take a look, man, just for like a quick second. Let's look at this fight card because for a, for a, and I just love everything about this, and I particularly love that there's not a title fight on there. They, they've set this precedent, or I guess rather reset this precedent because there was a time there before like the UFC just became like a content creating monster where, uh, where pay-per-views were headlined pretty regularly with uh, non-title bouts, but now we've just got so many fucking titles uh, and just like so many demands, I think, from the from the various platforms. Well, I guess right now there's only one platform, ESPN. But uh, we got we got the Jorge Masvidal Nate Diaz fight, not a title on the line unless you count the BMF belt as a real title, which I do not. Uh, but so it's just cool to see them open up some more options for themselves to get creative because uh, there are some really good fights to be made that don't necessarily have to have a title associated with them. Uh, hopefully this precedent allows them to kind of relax those fucking interim titles, which I just, well, I mean, I don't really feel that strongly, but you know, I was afraid that we were going to see a bantamweight interim title 
uh, here pretty soon and it looks like we're not. So it just opens up a lot of options. Uh, but of course, let's see here. The head, the you know, the main event, the Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz, uh, co-main Kelvin Gastelum versus, uh, versus Darren Till and Darren Till's middleweight debut. Uh, and my God, that dude, Darren Till, the, the big gorilla is not easing himself into those middleweight waters. I mean, make no mistake, and we all learned this uh, in his last fight against uh, Israel Adesanya. Kelvin Gastelum is about as elite as it gets. Um, he could conceivably be, he could be the middleweight champion right now. I mean, I, th I that's how highly I think of him. Uh, can Darren Till swim in waters that deep? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, he was not that level, we learned, in the welterweight division uh, for many reasons. The ungodly weight cut probably had a lot to do with that i mean his striking is excellent um i'm going to be curious to see what happens when this fight goes to the mat if and when this fight goes to the mat although i'm definitely counting on kelvin to get it there uh so i'll be curious to see what happens uh darren till is going to be packing a little bit more power um and and, and, and he had fight ending power even at the welterweight division so it's going to be it's going to be fun to see what's happening here uh, my mind is telling me Kelvin. My heart is is hoping for Darren Till for a lot of reasons, uh, but primarily because if Darren Till wins this, and particularly if he wins this uh, uh, convincingly, uh, we may have another uh, we may have another name in that uh, in that in the short list of title contenders. Uh, so once Paulo Costo and Israel Adesanya get done doing their damn thing, whenever they're going to do it early next year. Should Darren Till get a nice convincing victory over Kelvin Gastelum, and that is a big if. That's by no means a given. Uh, things can get pretty interesting at 185. Um, moving on, we got Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, welcoming Vincente Luque not to the welterweight division, but to the elite of the welterweight division. Um, Stephen Thompson kind of serving as the gatekeeper here. Uh, Thompson, of course, is not going to be finding himself fighting for a title anytime soon but should Vincente Luque get this victory uh the same might not be able to be said for him he could be looking at a title shot uh in two or three fights or in one or two fights should he get past Stephen Thompson so that's why man that's that dude that's why this is so interesting because although there are not title shot that we're not fighting for titles here uh and in some of these cases are we're not even really these aren't even really number one contender fights these are like, if I can coin a phrase, like number two contender fights. Because if uh, not for either fighter, but in, in for most of these fights, uh, if one of these fighters gets a victory, we're look we're talking number one contender fight. That's definitely true of Darren Till, and it's definitely true of Vincente Luque. Um, and then what else do we have? Oh yeah, the light heavyweight fight. This isn't on the main card, but Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess the same could be said of that. It's a little more complicated uh, right now for for reasons that you guys know. The light heavyweight title picture is just really cloudy and muddy because, A, John Jones just doesn't seem to be interested in fighting any of the contenders, and B, there's like a pretty lengthy list of potential contenders, uh, Dominic Reyes being the one who stated his case most, most recently with that dominant 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 victory over chris weidman but of course there's jan blakovich who uh 
just sent Luke Rockhold to the fucking Shadow Realm uh, and is going to be paired up with Jacare here in a couple of weeks. Uh, so a victory over Jacare puts him in the driver's seat or you know puts him in the front seat uh, right there by Dominic Reyes. But then the winner of this fight, particularly, I mean, I know Johnny Walker is like the name that the UFC wants to get behind, but what the hell else does Corey Anderson have to do? If Corey Anderson wins this fight, I don't see him getting a title shot, but I don't know what else he would have to do, particularly when we consider what the, you know, what the what the light heavyweight division division looks like right now. But let's say hypothetically Johnny Walker just kind of eviscerates Corey Anderson the way he has a few other fighters. Uh, yeah, I think we're looking at a Johnny Walker title shot uh, pretty quickly, which is way, way, way too soon for him. I mean, this guy is as, is as promising a prospect as there is. Uh, so my hope is that he doesn't get rushed into that title shot before he's ready. Uh, but then on the other hand, when the hell is anybody going to be ready for for John Jones, probably the greatest fighter that we've got? So it's going to be interesting, and this fight's going to shed some light on uh, on what's going to be next uh, in li- in the light heavyweight division. Um, we got a nice heavyweight fight here between Blagoy Ivanov uh, and Derek Lewis. Now Blagoy Ivanov. Now, here is a guy who should be fighting for a BMF title. I mean, this is just a bad dude. And if you don't know about it, look it up. This fucker was, like, stabbed in the heart and, like, walked himself to the hospital, pulled the knife out of his own heart, and then freaking walked home. And that might be kind of like a sensationalized version of the story, but this is a bad dude. Uh, And, you know, he got, he, uh, you know, in his UFC debut... Uh, after like just years and years and years, not even on the regional scene, but he, what, didn't he fight in Bellator? And if I believe correctly, he was like the World Series of Fighting heavyweight champion. Heavyweight champion. So he's a veteran by the time he'd made it over to the UFC. And uh, and again, in his UFC debut, headlining that fight night card against Junior Dos Santos in, uh, over there in Boise, Idaho. I was in attendance there too, dudes. I went over there to Boise, Idaho. It's like a five-hour drive from... Uh, from Seattle, where I live, or actually, it's a little farther than that. But Boise's a fun town, dude. Don't let, don't let, don't get it twisted, man. It is not hard to have a good time in Boise, Idaho, um, even if you don't have a low-level uh, fight night fight card going on. But yeah, he lost the he lost the unanimous decision to Junior Dos Santos, uh, but has looked pretty pretty impressive over, if I remember correctly, Ben Rothwell and then Tai Tuivasa. So he's got a step up fight here against Derek Lewis and. I have sworn a solemn oath never to pick against Derek Lewis again. I have lost so much fucking money betting against Derek Lewis. I lost. I had I had a nice chunk of change on Marcin Tybura uh, when they fought, and I was about two minutes from cashing that bet until Derek Lewis decided it was time to finish the fight. And then exact same situation when he fought Volkov. I had a nice chunk of change on Volkov. I was so confident uh, because I'd fairly comprehensively underestimated Derek. And I don't even think I've underestimated him. I think I've kind of analyzed him appropriately. He's just overachieving, man. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I lost money when he, uh, when he, you know, in like 20 seconds left, he decided it was time to fight against Volkov and close that show. So here my head, again, is telling me that this is Blagoy Ivanov's fight to lose. But I'll be damned if I'm going to pick against Derek Lewis, and I'm definitely not going to bet against Derek Lewis, which is really the only pick that matters. I mean, you got to put your money where your mouth is, or it doesn't make any difference. Um, 
But yeah, I'm picking Blagoy even off here. What are the betting odds anyway? I don't even have them up here. Let's see. Let's see where what Vegas thinks about this. Uh, yeah, Blagoy even off a a slight favorite. It looks like Blagoy even off. We can get him at negative one twenty five. You know, and if you feel like uh, losing twenty or thirty bucks, you can get Derek Lewis at plus one hundred five. Uh, it looks like some books have him a little closer to even money. Uh, it looks like some books have Derek as much, uh, you know, down to negative 105. But the, the one I like to use here, uh, even off negative 125, Derek Lewis plus 105. So we can get uh, even off as a slight favorite. And that, I mean, if anything, that seems like value on even off because I would cap him at a bigger favorite. But I'll be goddamned if I'm betting against Derek Lewis. I mean, fool me once, fool me twice, fool. How many times do I have to fucking get fooled before I learn my lesson? So I'm uh, I'm picking Blagoy even off, but I ain't betting on it uh, because I ain't no fool. I've learned my lesson. And then um, and then in the one that I'm perhaps most excited about, we're gonna get Gregor Gillespie back uh, fighting against Kevin Lee, and this is for my money. Uh, Gillespie, the best fisherman in MMA, it's going to be his, uh, well, not even for my money. I think just kind of like irrefutably, this is his toughest test yet. I mean, former title challenger, well, interim title challenger, Kevin Lee. But, you know, all the, you know, people who've been paying attention have been, you know, pegging Gregor Gillespie for stardom or at least for title contention. And so now we're going to see, uh, uh, we're going to see if he can swim in these deep waters. And I'm counting on him to be able to do that. Uh, so we yeah, have we've got some fights, man. We got some fun fucking fights coming up, and then the one that I'm the most interested well maybe not the most interested in, but uh, one that I'm very interested in is all the way down here on the fight pass prelims. We've got a women's flyweight fight, which I'm assuming has got to be a number one contender fight. I mean, if you want to look at the flyweight landscape, we've got a dominant champ in Valentina Shevchenko. And who's gonna get next, man? Who's 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 getting next title shot? Well, the winner of uh, Jennifer Maya versus Caitlin Shakugian um, is gonna position herself quite nicely uh, for that title shot. And my pick is the Blonde Fighter, which is one of the cooler nicknames in women's MMA or just in all of MMA for that matter. Uh, Caitlin Shakugian, just out of sheer curiosity, let's see what Vegas thinks about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shakugian is a negative 155 favorite. The comeback on Jennifer Maya being plus 135. So uh, that strikes me as an appropriate uh, as appropriate uh, uh, capping. I pick I, I I favor Shakugian to win this fight, uh, although not as an overwhelming uh, favorite. So yeah, so I'm thinking this is pretty. This this kind of jives with my thinking here. Um, although make no mistake, Jennifer Maya is a good little fighter, man. Uh, so this is going to be a good fight. Uh, we've got Edmund Shabiaz. I can never pronounce his last name, but, uh, um, the guy from Glendale Fight Club, uh, you know, the, uh, the fight club that produced Ronda Rousey, uh, who just looks like a very, very, very promising little prospect. That guy gets a lot of shit, but he's, he's got some good fighters, man. Uh, I just wonder if he knows what to do with them, but, uh, getting a step up here against Brad Tavares, who's hopefully not going to fight injured this time. So yeah, this is one of the more solid fight cards, Jesus Christ, of the year. Uh, uh, and there's not a title attached to it. So I'm, I'm excited about this. 
the pay-per-view that's going to follow this in a few weeks in December is going to be, Jesus Christ, it's going to be one of the better fights. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, or in a few weeks. But right now, yeah, UFC 244 uh, coming at us from Madison Square Garden. I just can't freaking wait. And so what do you know, man? I have babbled on for a long time here. Um, why don't we do this? I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, and when I return, you know what it is. We're going to do the Deadbeat MMA and more uh, Terrific 10 Countdown. But so let me uh, let me take a second here. I'm going to leave you with uh, with something to think about. I'll be back in about 20 seconds. In the meantime, I'm counting on you guys to be on your best behavior. All right. Be good. I'll be back. See ya. Oh yeah, jump right ahead and you're dead indeed. And all you spiders, jump right ahead into my web and become entangled in the deadbeat MMA and more uh, terrific 10 countdown, which is exactly what I am about to weave right now. Um, And this is going to be a quick one, man. Uh, I want to kind of breeze through this for a lot of reasons, but but we've got some fun stuff. And hey, like... uh, what normally happens is I'll uh, I'll check my like DMs on Twitter, just kind of my mentions, and there will be like some some cool comments, making some suggestions of some shit to talk about. And so I got a I got a few pretty fun ones this week. So maybe I'll get into a couple of those uh, sprinkled in throughout the countdown. But uh, here's just a few things that are that are worth mentioning and that have kind of jumped into my uh, jumped into my consciousness this week. Uh, and it starts out with something I forgot to mention earlier. But uh, you know what? UFC 244 is not the only big-time fight card we got coming up this uh, uh, this Saturday. Number 10 on the countdown, babies, on the DAZN app. And, uh, man, you guys probably are going to start thinking I'm getting some sort of commission from DAZN as much as I big up that shit. But I... let me. Can I be clear? Can I tell you guys something? Can I make a confession? I fucking love the DAZN app. It's fucking awesome. It's incredible. I've never watched so much cricket and darts in my life. Uh... But they've got some incredible fights, and this weekend is no exception, and I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, we've got Canelo versus Sergey uh, uh, Kovalev, man. Canelo jumping up, what, two weight classes? 25 pounds or some shit up there against uh, everybody's favorite Russian heel, everybody's favorite Russian bad guy who is just kind of proving to be kind of a shitty person. But a great fighter, albeit uh, one who's past his prime. But one of our finest fighters, Canelo Alvarez, uh, the way true champions do, uh, especially in the sport of boxing, finding new challenges, um, and he's going up to this light heavyweight division, and uh, A, I'm looking forward to an exciting and meaningful fight, but B, based on the outcome of this fight, uh, it's going to tell us a lot of things. Now, can Canelo hang in the light heavyweight division? Yeah, obviously, he's going to prove that he belongs. Does he belong in the deepest of waters up there? I don't know, man. I would love to find out. Um, But more to the point, we've got a trilogy 
uh, waiting in the wings with uh, with our favorite Kazakh, or actually our second favorite behind Borat. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about Gennady Golovkin. Uh, they've got that trilogy out there, which we're all kind of salivating at the mouth, uh, waiting for. And, and depending on what happens this weekend, I think is going to tell us a little bit about how quickly we're going to see that. Um, of course, on paper, Canelo's talking about how he doesn't want to reward Triple G with a payday. Um, these two seem to have some genuine bad blood. But money talks, and in the sport of boxing, sometimes it talks so goddamn loud we can't hear anything else. Um, so suffice to say, they're going to make this re- This fucking tri- trilogy is going to happen at some point. Uh, it's just a matter of when, and I think we're going to have a better idea of that depending on how good Canelo looks uh, this weekend. But removed from context, just on its own uh, on its own merits, this is a fight I'm looking forward to. So uh, uh, super, super looking forward to this. Um, anyway, moving on, we had a few fight announcements, and let's call this number nine, right? Uh, we had a few fight announcements this week, uh, both in the bantamweight division, and both they're shoving there on, uh, on UFC 245. So just like that, UFC 245, which has taken place on... Uh, what, December 14th, December 13th? No, December 14th. December 13th is Friday the 13th, and my fucking work is having a their holiday party, which I'm required to attend, uh, and I was worried that it was going to be that Saturday. But that hasn't, that's neither here nor there, as I like to say. Uh, so let, let's look at UFC 245. Here's what the main card is, uh, is in all likelihood going to look like. At the top of that card, the welterweight title fight between Kamara Usman and Colby Covington, in uh, that grudge match, it may not be the most exciting fight on its own merits, but my God, am I looking forward to that. Uh, it's about time, I think, that we have get some stability in the welterweight division and a nice victory from Kamara Usman, which I'm counting on, is going to provide that. A victory by Colby Covington is going to send me into a goddamn tailspin. But uh, let's just assume for the sake of discussion that Usman wins that. Uh, I think we're going to finally start to see some some momentum in the welterweight division. But anyway, that's the headliner, and that's going to be a solid welterweight title scrap. Uh, our co-main, uh, your favorite featherweight champ and mine, uh, Max Blessed Holloway, uh, taking on, for my money, uh, and I might be in the minority here, I mean, I think a lot of kind of casual fans just don't recognize the name, but but people who, who, who know the deal, uh, I think are going to side with me here. Uh, this is going to be Holloway's toughest title defense, man. Make no mistake, Alex Volkanovsky can win this fight. We we could very well be looking at a new uh, featherweight uh, featherweight champion uh, in a month's time. Uh, Max Holloway, as well, could also win this fight convincingly. I mean, I, it's just tough to say. But Holloway brings some stuff to the uh, to the table that I'm not quite sure our champion has dealt with before, particularly power. Uh, uh, in a grinding, a grinding style. I mean, just ask Chad Mendez about that. Uh, so that's going to be a hell of a good co-main. And then, of course, we've got our third title fight, uh, the great Amanda Nunes uh, defending her bantamweight strap against uh, the former featherweight champion herself, Jermaine Durandamy. Um Again, in another fight that kind of the casual observer is counting on the champion to win and is counting out the challenger. But make no mistake, my dudes, uh, Jermaine Durandamy is capable of winning this fight. Now, I don't know that she's going to. I'm going to pick, I'm almost positive, Amanda Nunes uh, to win this fight. I haven't really looked at the, uh, I haven't like watched any tape 
you know, specific to each other as an opponent. And I don't know that the betting lines are out yet. So I definitely can't talk about uh, a bet without looking at the betting lines. In fact, let's have a look right here right now. Well, what do you know? The betting lines are out, and Amanda Nunes is a negative 310 favorite, which I would stay away from that like the fucking plague. Uh, if anything, I would, um, I'd sprinkle a little on Jermaine Durandamy, which it looks like you can get at plus 255. Now, of course, in all likelihood, you ain't going to be winning that bet, but that's just where the value is. Uh, on the challenger. But I digress, man. Jermaine Durandamy can absolutely win this fight, and I would give her a better chance to win it than these betting odds reflect. So if we're if we're betting by the book, uh, GDR's the play. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens come fight night. But yeah, so those are the three title fights that have already been established. My point was this. They announced two bantamweight title fights, which kind of clarify a few things. Uh, there's uh, the fight card's not complete yet, so we're definitely going to be getting some more fights uh, in the next few weeks. But I can't imagine that they're going to be fights that are going to bump the following two off the main card. And here's what they announced: uh, coming off of his loss to Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight title, we're going to have uh, Marlon Moraes uh, welcoming Jose Aldo to the bantamweight division. Uh, now, this is a big fight, and I don't need to tell you why. I don't think Marlon Moraes is going to be positioning himself for a title shot again anytime soon. But Jose Aldo gets this victory. Uh, yeah, I can see Jose Aldo uh, cutting the line and getting that shot against Henry Cejudo for the bantamweight belt. And we're going to talk in a second about exactly what that's going to look like because using our uh, the bantamweight title landscape, I mean, because using our critical thinking skills, we can learn a few things uh, based on these fight announcements. The other one that they announced was Peter Jan uh, taking on Uriah Faber. Um, out of sheer curiosity, I want to see the odds to this. Yep, yep, Peter Jan, negative 485 favorite, Faber plus 350 underdog. Uh, Jan, a sizable favorite, and I think that's appropriate. But, uh, but here's what's up, man. Um, all indications are that they've been trying to make Aljamain Sterling and Frankie Edgar at Frankie Edgar's bantamweight debut, and I think, from what I understand, they were trying to do that uh, for this for the uh, for for one of these fight cards, and it just couldn't come together. But it looks like that's the uh, it looks like that's the fight they're making for or they're looking at for Aljamain Sterling. So here's what that means: two weeks ago, if you had asked me what I thought was going to happen uh, in the bantamweight division. Uh, while we're waiting for our, our double champ, Henry Cejudo, to come back, my guess would have been we were going to see Aljamain Sterling and Peter Jan fighting each other in some capacity in what would be a bit of a number one contender's fight. Now it's looking like that ain't going to happen. They're keeping those dudes busy. Uh, Cejudo, it sounds like his timeline to come back is March. So with a you know, with these three fights, well, two fights that have been announced and then the Aljamain Sterling-Frankie Edgar fight, which we can assume is going to be made, uh, the next bantamweight title challenger in all likelihood is going to come from one of these fights. Where does that leave our champion? Well, all of his potential bantamweight dance partners, uh, you know, have got, have got fights either booked or in Sterling's case in the works. So what that what I have to assume, and this is music to my ears, man, because this is what I've been wanting all along, my guess, and I, I could be wrong, I'm open to the fact that I'm wrong, I often am, but it's certainly looking like that clears the way for Cejudo to come back 
uh, cut those 10 pounds, 10 additional pounds to get back down to that flyweight limit uh, and then do the damn thing with uh, with Joseph Benavidez, that rematch um, for the flyweight title. Uh, Benavidez, of course, holds a, a contested and not at all convincing victory over Henry Cejudo. And when they run this back, if and when they run this back, man, I'm picking Cejudo to win that fight for sure. But my God, do I want to see it. Um, and then the future of the flyweight division, I mean, it looks like it's becoming pretty robust now then Cejudo. I don't think he can just go along defending both belts. But damn it, do I want to see uh, that rematch between Cejudo and Benavidez. That's probably my second or third most anticipated fight that's not been announced or or, or even rumored. Uh, well, I, I suppose maybe even rumored. Of course, number one is Tony versus Khabib. Uh, number two, probably Cejudo versus Benavidez. That's what I want to see uh, maybe above anything else. And that also gives the bantamweight division some time to play itself out with these fights that have been announced. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to be seeing Cejudo versus Benavidez and then, you know, Jan or Aldo or Aljamain Sterling or maybe one of the OGs like Frankie Edgar or, or God bless him, even Uriah Faber might be able to make their case for that bantamweight shot. So it's getting exciting, man. Uh, and then what else do we have? Uh, uh, one of the, one of the divisions that, and let's call this number seven. I've lost count. I never even had count to begin with. You can't lose something that you never had. I just I don't even know why I call it the the terrific ten countdown because I never pay attention to the numbers. But uh, the strawweight division is another one of those divisions that um that we're not a hundred percent sure what's what's going to happen next. Now uh, this one's a little different because all the meaningful fights have kind of taken place. So I guess in a lot of ways, we're just waiting for an announcement here. Uh, I suppose it's possible that I'm overlooking something, you know, that I'm just not thinking of a, of a fight. Let me look at the rankings real quick and see if I'm gonna slap myself for being so short-sighted and I just don't see it. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm talking of course about the women's strawweight division uh, with our newly crowned champ, uh, Wiley Zhang, or is it Zhang Wiley? I've seen it both ways. But with uh, Ioana Janjacek's badass victory a couple weeks ago, uh, she really kind of stamped her ticket as the uh, you know, as the favorite to get that title shot, particularly dudes with Tatiana Ali still looking like she's going to be out for a little while. So, uh, you know, so kind of it looks like, yeah, let's announce the the Ioana and Jacek rematch, which is going to be a hell of a fun fight uh, and maybe even a big fight, depending on uh, how they promote it and, and, and where it takes place. But then, of course, Wiley Zhang proving herself to be... Uh, you know, kind of a fast study when it comes to how to promote oneself as the new champion, has kind of gone on record and saying, nah, 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 I'm not too interested in uh, in fighting uh, Ioana Janjacek. Uh, guess who she's calling out? Yeah, just this is as UFC as it gets. She's calling out the champion at the high at the higher weight division. She's saying, yeah, I'd like uh, I'd like Valentina Shevchenko, which, I mean, I would say is never in a million years going to happen. But in the UFC, geez, you just never know. Um, or Rose Namajunas, she wants, and that's a fight I would definitely favor Wiley Zhang in. But kind of like as we talked about a few weeks ago, Rose Namajunas hasn't given, as far as I can tell, any 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 indication that she's interested in a uh, that she's interested in coming back. So uh, 
for my money, man, it's a, it's Wiley versus Joanna and Sign Me Up. Those are two of my favorite uh, lady fighters, two of my favorite women fighters, uh, particularly Joanna Young Jacek, man. She's, uh, I'm just an OG Joanna Young Jacek stan. So I'm always gonna pull for her to get that uh, for her to get that title uh, shot and get that title back. But my God, that's gonna be a fun fight if and when they make it, and I'm hoping that they do. So what else do we have, man? Like, let's see what some of these other divisions. You know, we've got a. Uh, they're they're saying that the DC Stipe rematch is gonna or trilogy is gonna be taking place sometime in a uh, in 2020. Um, uh, we've got Israel Adesanya going to be squaring up against Paulo Costo. Also, I would imagine sometime in 2020. And then in the lightweight division, you know, if they give us anything other than Habib versus Tony, I'm going to have a conniption fit. So let's just assume that's the fight that's going to be made. Um, all of our divisions uh, have a pretty clear-cut uh you know, championship uh, landscape right now, with the notable exception of that light heavyweight division, um, with our champion John Jones. And why the hell Daniel Cormier is still ranked in the light heavyweight division is completely beyond me. I, you're more likely to see me fighting in the light heavyweight division uh, than Daniel Cormier. But and we talked about this a little bit earlier. But uh, we got well. We've got the the at two and three. We've got the his uh, you know John Jones' most recent conquest, Thiago Santos, uh, if you want to consider that a conquest, and then Anthony Smith. But then after that, what do we got? Dominic Reyes, who just made a really clear case for his title shot. Jan Blakovitz, who did the same against Luke Rockhold, and now they're matching him up with Jacare, which I favor him to get the victory in that fight as well. So. In some ways, it's going to be tough to deny him should he, uh, you know, should he get that win. Um, then, of course, we've got Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker getting ready to do their thing. Uh, and then a little bit farther down the rankings, we got who, for my money, might be the most promising uh, light heavyweight, Alexander Rachik, uh, who is, oh, God, who's he fighting? He's got a fight scheduled. It's It's slipping my mind right now. Let me see if I can figure it out pretty quickly. Uh, uh, I'm going to remember that as soon as I stop this thing. But yeah, he's got a fight card. Uh, he's got a fight booked. Is it against Volkanovsky? Or not Volkanovsky. Volkan Uzdemir? Uh, I don't think so. Hold on. Let me just find out. This is going to kill me. Um, who's he fighting? Is it a... Uh, oh, it's a... Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, it is Volkan Uzdemir. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be on that DC card. Yeah, so that's going to... And so that's going to be another one. So here's my... Uh, Here's my guess. I guess we're not going to be hearing a, a light heavyweight title uh, announcement. And I, I definitely don't even, I don't even want to think about this bullshit about Israel Adesanya challenging John Jones. That ain't going to happen for a while. I would be interested in seeing John Jones up at heavyweight, but uh, the heavyweight division is in a lot of ways pretty clear right now. So I want to see another light heavyweight title defense. And there's a few things that happen, unless they want to quickly announce Dominic Reyes, which I don't think they're going to do. I think we're going to wait to see uh, what happens between uh, Jacare and Blakovitz, uh and then later in the year, Uzdemir versus Rachik, and then maybe in you know early January, some clarity will you know you know a, a real challenger will start to emerge. Uh, so there's that. The last thing. I think we're going to talk about, just because it's getting really fucking late and my wife just shot me a dirty look, she's trying to sleep, so I guess I'm going to need to wrap this up uh, and we'll get to some of those uh, 
those questions that were shot at me on Twitter in a second, or maybe next week. But uh, as you may have heard, and I'm assuming that you did, uh, this this Irish guy of some renown by the name of Conor McGregor made an announcement, un, seemingly un, uh, you know, unprompted by really anything at all. Although if you think a little bit deeper, it's maybe kind of a shrewd move based on you know everything that we know that's going on. But Conor McGregor made an announcement uh, that he's going to be fighting on January 18th. Now. Uh, there is the slight issue of there not being an event announced for January 18th, but of course they don't have any events announced for 2020 yet. I imagine we're going to be hearing about those pretty soon, but it certainly does look like that's the uh, that's going to be the date of the pay-per-view, um, and that was all but confirmed a few days later when Leon Edwards mentioned that they had offered him Tyrone Woodley on that date uh, as the co-main event to uh, what we have to imagine would be another non-title headliner, which I love. Uh, it's looking like it would be Conor McGregor versus, uh, versus you know, TBD. My hope is that if that's the case, that that TBD is going to be uh, uh, Cowboy Cerrone and not Justin Gaethje. Uh, Justin Gaethje, of course, still uh, has, a, has a claim to be in that title picture, whereas Donald Cerrone does not right now, and frankly, neither does Conor McGregor. So uh, that's the fight I'd be interested to see to the extent, and I am not getting into this in any detail, but to the extent that I want to see Conor McGregor fight at all, and I'm not sure that I do for many, many, many reasons, um, uh, which have a lot to do with just some of the things that he appears to be experiencing right now in his personal life. Uh, this is a dude who's got some other shit to worry about, and uh, you don't need me to to pontificate and moralize around like uh, who we're going to be supporting with our dollars if uh, you know if um, if and when these these allegations are substantiated. I mean, if you want to hear my thoughts about it, just go back to when Greg Hardy signed to the UFC and basically replaced Greg Hardy with. Uh, Conor McGregor, and you'll basically have have my thoughts on this. But anyway, boy, have I babbled on about many, many, many important things, man. We've got some fun shit on the horizon. Uh, I really can't wait. I can't wait for PFL on Thursday. It's Halloween, uh, and I ain't going out on Halloween, so I'm going to be watching PFL uh, Invicta on Friday, and then on Saturday, after my long day of work, uh, seeing... Uh, I see clients all day on Saturday. It's just a fucking drag, but I uh, I choose to do that. Why I don't know, but um, UFC 244, and then if I can manage to avoid spoilers all night, I'm gonna go back and watch Canelo versus uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, a little bit after the fact, and I'm not often successful in avoiding spoilers. But so that's my plan. What are you guys up to? I imagine it's not gonna be too dissimilar. Um, but you know what I think I'm going to do is I think I'm going to wrap it up right now. Uh, I've taken up a little bit more of your time than I like to, but I'm sure the sun's still going to rise tomorrow if you spend 80 minutes instead of an hour chilling with me. Um, so there it is, dudes. I hope you have a fucking fantastic week. I know that you will. I certainly plan to. Uh, again, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much for uh, talking fights with me. Thank you so much for finding me on Twitter and hollering at me. And thank you, thank you, thank you, if you can find it in your heart, uh, for rating and reviewing uh, 
this goddamn podcast we got going on. I just it just means the world to me, guys. You don't know how much this means to me. So thanks for all of that. I will see you in one short week, and I'm giving you my word of honor, man. I'm giving you my solemn word of honor that it ain't gonna be no two weeks until we meet again. Um, you know, after uh, after after UFC 244, probably Sunday night, maybe Monday night, depending on how. Thing, other things in my life go. Uh, I'll be sitting in this fucking darkened room trying to keep my voice down so I don't wake my wife talking about uh, who the baddest motherfucker in the game is. Uh, Nate Diaz, by the way, is my pick. Um, and then looking forward to that uh, to that Russia fight card with uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov and, uh, and Calvin Qatar. And, uh, and I've got some thoughts about that. And of course, our guy Greg Hardy stepped up to the plate. So that's going to be interesting, too. Uh, so we'll be talking all about that. But in the meantime, thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for chilling. Uh, thanks for watching the fights. Enjoy the fights. Thanks a lot. See you later.